This is Down to the Wire, where I'm, I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can reach us at, by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Search us on all our social medias and the platforms. You go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, YouTube. We're all over the social media markets. Speedy Petey, what's going on, my friends? What's going on? You got some more guests coming up. We do, and we have the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The man, the myth, the legend, Dave Benz. What's going on, Dave? Oh, that's a big intro. I don't know about the legend, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the the myth is the legend, or the legend is the myth. <laughs> well, how, uh, how, 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 how you guys are? You guys are on uh, the East Coast, right? How are you guys holding up out there? We are good, my friend. How about you and your family? Uh, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Just kind of, you know, just like everybody else, taking one day at a time right now. It's scary. It really is. It's really scary. It it sure is. It'd be nice to uh, get back to it'd be nice to get back to life as we knew it. Whenever that's going to happen. Uh-huh. Well, Dave, do you think there's going to be another? Do you think there's going to be an NBA season, or do you think they're going to move off it to next year? You know, I mean, anybody's guess right is really valid right now. There's no way anybody can predict what's going to happen. I would like to think that there are too many reasons for there not to be NBA basketball coming back. And what version of that's going to be is also anybody's guess. Are there, is there going to be all 30 teams coming back in some form, playing some kind of regular season games to at least get the teams that have qualified for the playoffs tuned up for the playoffs? Are they going to go right to the playoffs? Is there not going to be anything? Uh, you know, I was watching the NBA on TNT guys. They did a zoom conference hit or whatever it was. And they, you know, the, uh, the Jet, Kenny Smith, said that he thinks they should do a, a single-game elimination tournament. And he just, it, I think all options are on the table at this point, and w- nobody really knows. Anybody that says anything otherwise, it's just pure guesswork. Adam Silver says they're not really even going to discuss it until May 1st. Um, uh, I do think that when games come back, whenever that is, it's going to be vastly different than the last time we saw games. I don't think we're going to be – I don't think we're going to be seeing games with fans in arenas anytime soon. And, and, you know, even if they do open up the arenas for fans, how many fans are going to, you know, be anxious to go and be out in public and be at an <laughs> arena and be at a game right away. So there's just a lot of questions that remain to be answered, but I, I know that the NBA ownership and, and the teams, they certainly would love to play games. Um, the, the players association, they want to come back and they want to play games. So Everybody wants to play. It's just a matter of, you know, can they play and, and how is it going to happen? And right now, nobody has any clue. 
One of the other question marks, Dave, is also the upcoming draft in June. Now, the NFL has done it where they're going to do all virtual with their draft next week. Do you think the NBA could do something similar? And if so, do you think it'll be a little more complicated with all all the international prospects to be able to do everything like that, too? And if so, do you think that'll force them to move that, too? Yeah, personally, and this is only my own opinion, I I don't see the NBA draft happening in June when it usually happens. I would be very surprised if that happens because how can you possibly draft a player that you haven't worked out, that you haven't had any, you know, I mean, you could do interviews with them online, I suppose, but you haven't worked anybody out. You haven't seen, you know, how they can, what, what their skill set is in terms of the system you're trying to put in. Um, there are a lot of things that you determine by having players in for workouts. There's been no combine. Uh, I mean, I just don't, I don't see why there would be any reason for there to be a rush to have a draft. I think that, uh, you know, I'd be shocked if there was a push from, from the teams to say, Hey, we have to get this draft done right away. Um, I, I would be very surprised again. It's my own personal opinion, but I'd be very surprised if the NBA draft happens in June when it's when it normally happens. We are talking to the voice of the Timberwolves, Dave Benz. Dave, let me ask you a question. When you, you look at the Timberwolves right now as a team, a growing team with Carl Anthony Towns, the piece that they need to build their team around, where do you see this team going? They decided to trade Andrew Wiggins away. Uh, they, they move away from Tom Thibodeau. Where do you see this team moving forward with Ryan Saunders? Is he the coach, or are they going to be looking for a new coach at the end of the season? Well, I, I mean, I believe Ryan is the coach for the foreseeable future. He's got one, he's got one more year left on the contract. Um, and, and this season, sure, the one loss total is, is not what anybody would like it to be, but I don't think there were unrealistic expectations that this was going to be a year that this team was going to get back into the playoff mix Gerson Rosas, who came on as the president of basketball ops and, and hired Ryan Saunders full time to be the head coach and had the option to hire anybody he wanted to. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of patience and he's said multiple times that this is about the long term. This is about putting this team on a path where they can win consistently and not just be a team that, OK, you know, we're going to bring in a couple of veteran players to win us a couple of more games this year because that doesn't do any good for the long term product. And so everybody's been on the same page in that regard. Uh, I believe fullheartedly Ryan Saunders will be the head coach to finish out whatever's left of this season. If there is any finish, he'll be the head coach, you know, going into whatever and whenever training camp happens, and he'll be the head coach to start next year. Will the expectations be different next year if this team struggles out of the gates coming into, you know, the start of next season? Uh, you know, it, there may be a little bit of a different criteria because now the team feels like they do have more of the players in place that they really, really want to have. They like the fact that they've got D'Angelo Russell now paired up with Carl Anthony Towns, and they really like Malik Beasley, who they were able to bring in from Denver, and they're going to control him as a restricted free agent uh, whenever the offseason happens. So there's there's a lot to like about the pieces this team has in place, and, it, you know, that's one of the things I think that was frustrating uh, about the way the season ended is you were starting to see what Malik Beasley could do and what D'Angelo Russell could do in a Timberwolves uniform. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns has been out for a long time with a wrist injury, so you didn't really get to see all the pieces put together. Um, but it, there is a lot of enthusiasm that the Timberwolves now, they do have a nice core to build around of guys that they really feel fit their system. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins was a you know fantastic athletic talent. And I believe Andrew's probably going to have a nice career at Golden State. I, I, 
don't think for whatever reason it was clicking in Minnesota the way anybody wanted it to. And I certainly hope Andrew does find success with the Warriors. Uh, but the Timberwolves are really happy with what they got at the trade deadline and, and feel good about, you know, the nucleus going forward. Dave, you actually just really shadowed in foreshadowed into my next question because you before you worked with the Timberwolves as a play by play guy, you also did some work with the Golden State Warriors. So of be, knowing both of those teams really well, the Timberwolves and the Warriors, who do you think actually got the better end of that Wiggins Russell trade? Do you think it was a win win for both teams? Do you think those pieces are there to stay? Do you think they could be focal points and maybe rise into what they were supposed to be as prospects? Who do you think got the better of that deal in your opinion? Uh-huh. I mean, I know this isn't a great answer, but I think that, you know, we don't really have enough to go on on that yet. I like to think the Timberwolves got the better end of the deal because the bottom line is Timberwolves have needed a ball dominant point guard who can get their own shot, who can set teammates up, who can hit clutch shots when the game is on the line. That has been a position of need for them for, you know, the last 15 years really since 2004 when they had Sam Cassell running the point and Steph Marbury before that but since that time and you know no slight against the people who've played that position Jeff Teague was an all-star at one point in his career Ricky Rubio fantastic human being loved covering Ricky loved his enthusiasm a, a better than uh, than average defender I don't think he gets enough respect for his defense and clearly his passing was amazing but he's not a guy who you can rely on to hit a shot for you with the game on the line so for the Timberwolves to finally fill that need that they've had for well over a decade, that's huge for them. For the Warriors, they get a guy who was the number one overall draft pick. And, you know, you put him in a situation where he's with Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr leading the way, and they know what it takes to be able to win a championship. Uh, I got to believe that that's going to rub off on Andrew and bring out the best in him. So this could be one of those trades that goes down as a win-win. And, you know, for now, I would say that the edge is on the Timberwolves side because they filled more of a gaping need. But I think the Warriors will ultimately be very happy with what they got out of of Andrew Wiggins as well. Dave, what is going on with Kevin Garnett and the the Timberwolves organization? A lot of people have been talking about him, his uh, jersey being hung uh, at the rafters of of the Boston – what is it? The Boston, Boston Arena? Garden. Boston TD Garden. Garden. Yeah. I'm sorry, TD Garden. Yeah. And now yeah. and now there are stories coming out in the Minnesota. He doesn't want his jersey raised up to the rafters. What are your well, thoughts with this? No, I, well, first of all, I haven't talked to KG about it. Um, but, you know, the people who have talked to him, everything I've read, everything I've seen, it, you know, uh, Kevin Garnett feels like he was slighted by Glenn Taylor, the Timberwolves owner. Uh, he thinks that, you know, he was – on track or he thought when he came back to Minnesota the second time he was going to be on track to maybe be able to get into the ownership group of the team and he wanted to be able to you know he aspired to be able to do that and if you read everything he says he feels like he was slighted in that process and a lot of it unfortunately had to do with the passing of Flip Saunders who was the one who orchestrated bringing KG back to Minnesota the second time Um, so in KG's mind he feels like he was slighted and he has stated very publicly that he doesn't want any association with Glenn Taylor. And that is really unfortunate because the people who are the collateral damage and all that are the diehard Timberwolves fans. And if you ask most Timberwolves fans, why they're a Timberwolves fan, anybody that's, you know, uh, that's 30 years old or, or, or older, they're going to tell you they're a Timberwolves fan because of Kevin Garnett. 
there, there's no question. Even maybe a 25-year-old might remember KG from when they were really young. Uh, but, I mean, the bottom line is he was the guy who was the face of that franchise. He was the guy who put the franchise on the map, and the fans there still adore him. And I really believe that Kevin Garnett still has a great affinity for the fans. He still owns a place in Minneapolis and still will come into town on occasion. But because he feels like he was slated by ownership, he's not interested in having anything to do with having his number put up in the rafters because of that rift. And it's really, really unfortunate. And the fans are suffering as a result. But, you know, ultimately that's between Kevin Garnett and, and Glenn Taylor to, to sort out. And you just hope they do find a way to, to find common ground on that. Dave, we were talking about this last week with this whole Garnett saga, and I I brought up the fact that because the Timberwolves are still kind of a younger team, and they were an expansion team back in the 90s, and again, outside of, again, some short stretches like you were mentioning from Cassell and Marbury and guys like that, really Garnett's been the best player by far in that history, and like you said, the fans will still remember it. So do you think they would still actually have the retirement ceremony even if Garnett doesn't show up just for the fans and for that, even if, again, he's still in protest? No, no, I'd be really surprised if that were to happen. I mean, ultimately, I suppose it could, but... I don't see what the point is in retiring somebody's number and putting it up in the in the rafters if the person that you're honoring isn't willing to be a part of it to come there. Um, so that's why, you know, ultimately this thing needs to get settled in whatever way it's going to get settled. And maybe it's going to be while Glenn Taylor still owns the team and he and KG find a way to, to work it out. Uh, and maybe it's going to be at some point in the future. I mean, Glenn Taylor won't own the Timberwolves forever. Uh, you know, I, I love, I really love Mr. Taylor. It's been fantastic to me. I think he gets a bad rap from a lot of people because of the fact that the Timberwolves have not had a lot of success and historically have struggled, but, and there have been certainly questionable decisions that have been made, but it hasn't been made because he hasn't been willing to open his wallet. And it hasn't been made because he doesn't want that team to win. He's at every game. He's checking every box score. He's passionate about the team. He wants them to win. Um, so, you know, you just hope that somehow, some way, they can find a way to figure that out. Dave, thank you for joining us. Could you give the fans uh, um, how, how they can find you on Instagram, on Twitter? So I'm at Tweet, um, I'm at tweet Dave Benz on Twitter. And uh, if you guys give me one second, I want to actually plug something real quick that I've been working on. Absolutely. With this whole, with this whole coronavirus thing. Um, so since we stopped playing games, I kind of took on a passion project to give myself something to do. So rather than shelter in place, uh, I came up with the idea to start a website called Selfie in Place. So it's just selfieinplace.com. And we're asking people to, to log on and create a profile and upload one picture per day. And you can only upload one picture per day. The site will limit you to just one picture per day because we don't want to be Instagram. We don't want to be Facebook. They're, they're already obviously very good at what they do. <laughs> we don't need to be that. But we want one picture per day. So then over the course of this crisis, people can go to people's profiles and kind of see through a single snapshot a day the evolution that that everyone went through on their own little individual journeys on this. And I'm also pairing up with uh, someone who started a, a fund for freelance sports media people who have lost their paychecks because of the coronavirus uh, crisis. 
And so we're asking people if they like the site to donate and all the information's there on the site. Um, but I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, hey, the arena workers and the ticket takers and all that that have lost their jobs as a result of this. I, I don't think enough people know that the people who bring you the, the sports on television that you're now lacking, the producers, the directors, the camera people, even a, even a majority of the on-air people, they're all freelance people. They're all independent contractors. And without the games, these people aren't getting checks. And a lot of them, unfortunately, because they're freelancers, are having a hard time getting unemployment as well. So um, so this website, we're hoping we can help contribute to that fund to help those people out. We're also hoping we can people uh, people can tell a story through a single picture a day. So selfieinplace.com, if people want to register, obviously it's free. And, um, you know, we certainly would welcome all comers to the site. Dave, I'm going to get all your information. My producer, Speedy, will reach out to you. Um, I will take it and I will post it all over our, our website and our social media. All right. I really appreciate that. Dave, thank you for joining us. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dave Benz, ladies and gentlemen, the voice of the Timberwolves. Great insight with everything and really straightforward with us. He answered every single question and he didn't beat around the bush, Speedy. So I love what he really gave us today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's an awesome thing that he's doing, helping out the, those freelance sports journalists, those freelance cameramen, etc. Everyone, everything like that. That's really a, a cool gesture at this time. All right. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some NFL conversation here. Only on Down to the Wire. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Little Guns and Roses, baby. Take me down to the Paradise, Paradise City. city. Green and, and the, the girls, girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please take me home? Yeah. Oh, God, please don't sing with me. Speedy. Please don't sing with me, Speedy. All right, there we go. 631-965-4990 is the number to call. Yes, Jeff, if you don't understand it, 631-965-4990 is the number. This is Down to the Wire. We are live Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As you guys know, that was Speedy wiggling and jiggling it over there, singing Take Me Down to the Paradise City. Right, Speedy? Yep. As you guys know, you can follow us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. I want to get into... Uh, some football conversation. And Christian McCaffrey yesterday was a story I did want to get into because Christian McCaffrey just got a four-year extension worth about 60, I think it's 62. It 64 million. 62 or $64 million, which will probably make him the highest paid running back in, in the NFL and the highest paid running back in NFL history. But not just that. Was Christian McCaffrey really the best running back in football this year? And the answer probably is he was. And I think that when you look at what he was coming out of college and everybody didn't know what he was going to be, he was going to be a running back, a wide receiver. Some people thought he was going to be too small. He was going to get hurt in the NFL because they're just so much bigger and stronger in the NFL. And Christian McCaffrey has shown everybody 
on why he could be the best running back in football for the next five to six years. Oh, yeah. I was one of those people, too. I was skeptical of him out of the draft, too. I liked him as a receiver. I wasn't sure about him as a runner, but he's, he's the complete package now, and he's proven it consistently, too. It's not just he flashes one week, and then he's down the next week. He's a very consistent running back, and he had 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year, which is insane. I, I just like watching the kid play. He plays with heart. He goes out there, and he, he does everything he has to do for his team, and he makes, and he really puts his his whole heart on the line going out there and playing the game with the players that he plays with. And I'll tell you this right now, going into this season, the Carolina Panthers are not expected to be a good team. They lost Luke Keekley. He retires. He decides to retire at the age of 31-32, and they're, they're losing players. Every single year, there's a big-name player that either decides they, they decide to move on with or they decide to let go and release right. and and try to draft. And they haven't really built in the last couple of years in the draft. If you look at their drafts in the last couple of years, besides the two wide receivers that they drafted, what person, what player stands mm-hmm. out on in that lineup right now? Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing right now when you look at that team and the Carolina Panthers. Now, we, we all know what Christian McCaffrey is. Christian McCaffrey the last two years has been – unbelievably explosive and and you're watching a superstar right in front of our eyes and we talk about Saquon Barkley and these guys were drafted in practically the same draft they were drafted in one year apart one year apart I'm sorry and they're compared to each other and I'm sorry right now if if you were to compare both players in the last two years I'm taking Christian McCaffrey over Saquon Barkley but not even that the kid deserves it Four years. I, I don't know when he's going to get a big contract after this. Remember, running backs don't last a long time in their careers. I guess it would depend on how productive he would be as a receiver because, again, we're not really seeing how much the receiver running back is going to transition the league. It's done it more and more, and if that's the case, that'll contribute more value for longevity. We haven't seen it yet because, again, there's not this many good pass-catching running backs all at once. It was a thing at times in the 90s. We saw it with Marshall Falk. We saw it with LaDainian Tomlinson. But it was a rare thing at that time. Usually the running backs came off the field, and there would be other guys who were pass-catching running backs. Now you have more guys that are the complete package. So we'll see if McCaffrey sets the mark for that or if it becomes maybe still more a a platoon-type thing, running back by committee. And also a story coming out in Cowboy Land – that the Cowboys are talking. I don't know if this is a true story. I'm just reading a couple of articles. That the Texans and the Cowboys are talking right now on a possible trade. Which would send Deshaun <laughs> Watson to the Cowboys with, I don't know, other pieces for Dak Prescott and two other players and a possibly a first-round draft pick to be named. Now, Bill O'Brien's not that smart. He wouldn't get a first-round pick back. I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm reading right now. I don't know if this is true, but Deshaun Watson has come out and said that he wants out with the Houston Texans. He does not want to play over there anymore. I mean, everything that O'Brien has done so far in the offseason, trading Hopkins, which made absolutely no sense, bringing in David Johnson. Then they bring in Cooks. They took on a bigger contract, which made absolutely no sense for a guy Both that's Johnson practically— Johnson and Cooks are bad contracts. Practically the same age. I mean, so— and, and and everybody that Way looks at Hopkins, <laughs> and when you look at Hopkins and Cooks, uh, Hopkins is the better player. By far. <laughs> so I, I don't know what O'Brien is doing, and this organization is in a shambles right now. They don't have a GM. They use O'Brien right now as a GM head coach. It just doesn't make any sense. I should We should get Jake Asman on the show because Jake Asman is in Houston right now, 
And uh, I, I think that when you, you look at the Houston Texans right now as a team and as an organization, I don't know where this team is going. J.J. Watt is getting old. He's on his way out. I, I, just, I just don't know where this team is leading. Are, are they now rebuilding? But how are they rebuilding when they decide to trade away two first-round draft picks for Jeremy Tunsil? I mean, it doesn't right. make – Lermy Tunsil. So you just don't know what they're – you don't know what the Texans are trying to do here. Are they going backwards or are they going forwards? They're overreacting is what we're, what we're seeing right now, and that usually doesn't work in the NFL because the NFL, you want to have a system in place. You want to have players that – develop into that system and if you keep switching off so many players like they've been doing it normally doesn't work we saw the rams do it when they went to the super bowl but that was really it i mean teams that have made it are teams that have had consistently in the same system Trey, what's going on my friends Look how it's baiting. So, I, I, I can't uh, say hello to people. Okay, yeah. I thought you were going to say something else. No. So for the most part, this kind of recycling players and trying to get new draft picks. And again, just even selling short the way they have too. It's not a good look for success. The Texans, again, they've been steadily in the playoffs. But again, they haven't been able to make that le- next step. One of which has become because of iffy front office decisions. The other which is because they've had a lot of injury prone players. But again, they can't just overreact like that. They... The one thing they weren't at the start of the offseason was cash strapped, so they could have worked with free agency and made it work. But instead, they've they've purged too many assets, and now their star quarterback, which, again, they're a bad quarterback franchise in terms of player development, is frustrated. And now you, you don't want that when you've been a bad quarterback franchise. I agree. But, again, you're looking at the Cowboys and, and this organization. If they can somehow swindle uh, a, a team, an organization like the Texans, which – I could see the Arizona Cardinals did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Why not try to go after their key player in Deshaun Watson, who is their franchise? They know he's their franchise. And a guy that doesn't really want to be there with Coach O'Brien, he really doesn't want to be with that organization anymore. So why not uh, one of these teams, if it's not the Cowboys, maybe the Miami Dolphins, make a move and try to get Deshaun Watson over there instead of going after Tua, where you don't know what to expect with Tua. You don't know what to expect with guys like Herbert and Love or whoever they decide they want. So it's a very interesting question. And, and again, I, I, I can go up and down each each roster right now on who can use a quarterback that good. And there are only a few right now. And Cam Newton is still available. Right. So And, and I do believe Cam Newton will be uh, on a team or with a team by the end of the draft. He has already said that he's going to wait until the draft. And then he's going to decide where he wants to play. I really believe it's Miami or San Diego. I think it's the Chargers, too. But again, the Chargers will have to see if they draft a quarterback, too. Now, will Cam... Well, that's why I think he wants to wait. Right. I... Now, the question is, how much will Cam... is Has Cam been in contact with the Chargers to Probably be able to do Probably every single day if they're and really interested how, in one how of influential is that to their draft? Are they going to draft for him? Are they going to draft defense and then let him run the offense? It's going to, it's going to be very interesting because the Chargers... They're talented in some areas, but they still need – they have big holes in other areas. So if, a, you're, if you're bringing Cam Newton in, and I'm going to say this over and over again, if you're bringing in Cam Newton, you do not draft a quarterback. You do not. Because Cam Newton is 31, 30 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. I believe he's going to be 100% healthy. Why waste 
a first-round draft pick on another quarterback when you're probably going to have Cam Newton for three or four more years. And you're trying to win now. You're not trying to win two, three, four, five years from now. So you take that draft pick. You either bring, you bring in an offensive lineman or you add in a big pass rusher to help over there on the other side of Joey Bosa. Well, I don't know if they need pass rushers. I think that if they were to go defense, I think they would probably look at Simmons first because they need linebacker help or maybe somebody like Derek Brown as an interior lineman. Simmons will not be there at number seven. No, but I think if they, they could They're drafting seventh, right? I, yeah. No, they're sixth, but I think they could trade up for Simmons too if they also wanted it because if Detroit wants to move that pick like they said they wanted to or if the Giants want to draft an offensive lineman instead of drafting Isaiah Simmons themselves, they, the Chargers could trade If Simmons is the there, too. the Giants are drafting him. Trust me. I agree. I'm just saying if that's – if that's the direction they want to go in, they could they could trade. He's up not Dave. Afraid. Dave Gettleman will make all the fans very very happy after last year not drafting uh, Allen, who everybody wanted when they drafted the quarterback of the future, which I think was a great draft pick for the New York Giants. If they can get Isaiah Simmons, well, then every I love Giant Isaiah Simmons. That's what every, I want. Then every Giant fan would shut their mouths and not attack them because they didn't draft Allen last year, where everybody wanted him instead of the young quarterback in, in Jones. So, right. so I'm, just, I'm just saying if they don't want to go in that direction, they could be another trade candidate. If Simmons is there, they're drafting Simmons. I agree. That's I, a fact. I would hope. I'm just saying. That's that, a fact. I'm just saying you can never know with them. So No, I think I, I do the, believe that if Simmons is there, they're drafting. All right. So again, so more likely it's the Lions, but still they could still, if that's the player they want, want to do it. I think most likely it'll be an offensive lineman because that's still a bigger need for them. They, they're they good on the interior. They bring in Balaga, who's a nice veteran right tackle, but again, he's also been injury prone too. So getting that other tackle could definitely help him. Or again, like I said, interior defensive line for someone like Derek Brown, who's considered a lot of times probably that next best player available after Simmons and Chase Young. Maybe that could be an option for them too to help their run defense. <laughs> All right, Speedy. Uh, oh, my God. I am going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we will get into your picks on the top 20 draft picks that you think are going to go to one team to the other. All right? Here on Down to the Wire. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back here. This is Down to the Wire here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Errol Marks had to step out for a little bit for about 20 minutes. We will be, he will be back in, hopefully in 20 minutes, when we have Kevin Ray on. If you're just tuning in, we had Dave Benz on earlier, play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And about 7 o'clock, we will have Kevin Ray, who does national radio play-by-play for the Phoenix Suns and also for the Dallas Cowboys. So, Speedy P back here with you. This is Guns N' Roses again. Guns N' Roses theme today, Sweet Child of Mine. Their biggest hit for sure. And, again, we will have Kevin Ray on earlier. This is Down the Wire. This is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We are streaming live on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, and Twitch. And we are also live through audio on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, on our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And also one of only 16 sports networks and podcasts on Radio.com. So, again, Errol had to step out. So, for the next 15 minutes or so, I'm going to do my top 20 prospects. We'll see how much I can get to for the NFL draft and who the best fits are for some of these, uh, for some of these prospects. Here we go. 
So number one on my list is Chase Young. I think that's l- number one on a lot of people's list. Some of them have Isaiah Simmons. I have Isaiah Simmons, Simmons up too, and that's who I want for the Giants very badly. But Chase Young, yeah, anyone could really use him. Now the Redskins are slated to take him at two. Now I think I don't I don't think it would be a mistake, obviously, because Chase Young's that great of a player. I think it would be something similar to where if that were to happen, it would be something like if the 49ers drafting Nick Bosa last year. It wasn't the biggest need for them, but it made them a whole lot better, and obviously they went to the Super Bowl as a result of that, and Nick Bosa had a phenomenal rookie year, was defensive rookie of the year, and Chase Young could have that kind of effect to the Redskins already. They drafted Montez Sweat last year. Uh, you still got Ryan Kerrigan there, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, a lot of good talent on that defensive line, where it could be very similar to that kind of effect. Now, again, they also could consider trading the pick, though, too. I think the Redskins should invest in that if the offer is there to, to trade the pick because Chase Young is that hot of a commodity for plenty of other teams. There's not going to be many pass rushers prospects like him coming out of the draft. So don't be surprised if that's the case. Obviously, the, the Lions, the Giants, any team drafting in that top 10, and even teams in the middle of the draft, they can all use a Chase Young. You look at the Raiders. You, you look at a team like Atlanta, which I said they could, they should try to do it. They should try to make that investment. But now, again, it'll be a little harder losing all the pieces that they did. So Chase Young is my number one. Really just well-rounded all around. Steve versatile, can rush for power, great finesse moves as well. And again, can play both linebacker and defensive end. So number two is Isaiah Simmons, who is the positionless but positionless wonder because he can play everything and he can play everything well pretty much. Isaiah Simmons, mostly an outside linebacker, but also has been a middle linebacker, also has been a safety, also has been a slot corner. That's as unique of a defensive prospect as you could ever get. Modern defenses are prioritizing versatility, so pretty much every team could draft Isaiah Simmons. I mean, there's nowhere I don't think that he wouldn't fit anywhere. There's no team that has every linebacker spot in place, every corner spot in place, or every safety spot in place. Again, most likely scenarios is the Redskins at two is a possibility. They lost Mason Foster. They they re-signed Zach Brown after cutting him, but we'll see if Ron Rivera re-signs him back. They brought back Thomas Davis uh, to reunite with Ron Rivera, but again, Simmons is still a great fit for them. They need they could use the corner depth. They could use the safety, uh, a coverage-type safety to counter Landon Collins very well and make that end up working. So that's a likely scenario. Obviously, Detroit at three is a very likely scenario, as are the Giants. Now, the Lions, he'd probably mostly play safety on that team. Bringing in, they brought in some linebackers. So if he were to go there, I would imagine he'd be mostly a, a defensive back type. And if he went to the Giants, he'd probably be mostly a linebacker, probably a mixture of outside and inside. Just with that they, they don't have much right now. They signed Blake Martinez, but again, they didn't bring in much beyond that. We'll see if they bring back Marcus Golden. Isaiah Simmons could, but again, just him as a prospect, he could do the, he's the complete package. The only thing he really doesn't do consistently well is, a, is, as a, is as a pass rusher, but that doesn't mean he couldn't do a surprise blitz every once in a while either. So he could cover, he could run like a running back, he could do zone coverage, he could do outside coverage, he could do get deep coverage in the middle of the field as a safety. There's not much he can't do. So he's number two on my board. Number three is Joe Burrow, who's the guy who's most likely going to be the number one pick. Again, the Dolphins have tried to trade up for him from the Bengals, but it'll take a lot for the Bengals to be able to give up the Ohio kid and be their number one pick. And again, for the Dolphins' sake, even though I think Burrow's the best quarterback, them trading up all those draft picks is not really going to be worth it either because... The guy who I have at number four is not far behind. That's Errol's number one quarterback. We'll get to him in a bit. But Burrow, when you look at him, 
Could he be a little raw? Maybe, but again, he had a phenomenal season. He's great inside and out of the pocket. Not really a running type quarterback, but he can throw outside the pocket and set his feet, and he can make a great variety of throws. And he's obviously, as you saw throughout the college football season, he's a phenomenal leader too. So again, most likely the Bengals. We'll see if somebody entices the Bengals enough with possibly a Redskins-Rams-like trade for them to do it, because I don't see them take, uh, doing it otherwise. So number four is Justin Herbert. I, Justin Herbert, I think, has also been a very good quarterback that's kind of flown under the radar. I think him going back to school for that extra year at Oregon under Mario Cristobal's offense has really done wonders for him. I think he's grown a lot as a pocket quarterback. He was a good outside-the-pocket quarter, quarterback, kind of like what Burrow was this year in 2018. And now he grew into a more complete quarterback, a guy that can make all the throws, a guy, a guy I think that can throw on the run better than Burrow can. And it has been good at reading defenses too. Again, he's likely a pick for a team like the Dolphins if they don't want to gamble on Tua's injury concerns. Or, again, you got the Chargers in the mix. Maybe Jacksonville's a surprise team that could end up taking a quarterback. Carolina is another one that's under the radar. Is Teddy Bridgewater the long-term answer, or is he... Maybe an insurance policy for now to let another guy develop. Because I've seen Herbert fall in mocks a lot for whatever reason. People don't think he's pro-ready, but he's played he played three years. So, I mean, that's that's not raw. That's And he's grown in every year. So, I don't see really where people think he's raw. So, I, I, think, I think he's still thinking we'll go in the top ten. Especially if Tua, does, Tua falls because of the injury reports that people have come out with. So that's number four for me. We'll, I think we'll have time to probably do the top ten because we'll have to go to break after that so we can get Kevin Ray on. Number five is Jerry Judy. Uh, I think the best receiving prospect in this draft. Not by not by much, though. I think the number six is not far behind. Jerry Judy, com- very complete route runner, can run a lot of deep routes, a lot of complicated routes. I think that skinny post, that double post route, he was especially good at when, when I was watching him play at Alabama. But he's also very good with outside routes, too, corner routes, post corner and it'll be interesting to see how early he goes. And again, this is this is a guy I think the Redskins, if they do trade back, could end up getting because they need receiving help badly. They got Terry McLaurin as a gem in the third round last year, which is a nice start, but they still need a lot of offensive personnel. So if it's not them, and if he falls a little bit after that, you could definitely see a team like Jacksonville go after him. Otherwise, you'll see a lot of middle first-round teams. The New York Jets need a wide receiver. The Raiders need a receiver uh, you could see the Broncos definitely go after them maybe if they if they want to trade up and then San Francisco trading up to 13 I think that's a big reason why they did it they traded DeForest Buckner to the Colts for that 13th overall pick I think the most likely scenario is they would get a wide receiver will it be Judy I don't know but that's a team to watch out for and again if they want to jump up with the Browns or jump up with the Jaguars to maybe steal them from the Jets that's a possibility as well so that's number five. Number six is C.D. Lamb. I don't I don't think he's far behind. Now, in college, when watching him at, at Oklahoma, I didn't think he was going to be ever as good as Judy. But, again, his second half of the season, I think last year, and his overall season kind of taking over as that number one target changed a lot of that. And also what I saw at the combine from him. I, I thought he would be just more of a speed, simple route, yard after the catch guy. But he, t- he, shows, he showed he could make some tough catches too. He could be a physical guy. His height, his size, his speed for his size is really impressive too, where I think he could definitely be a number one receiver in this league. So that's number six for me. Number seven, I think, is Andrew Thomas. I think he's the best tackle in this draft, and if the Giants don't get Isaiah Simmons at four, which is who I would want for them very badly, that would be the only tackle I would want them to take 
Now, rumors have shown that Tristan Wirfs or Makai Becton would be more likely for the Giants as who they like more. And I like them. I like. I think Wirfs has definitely showed at the Combine that he could be a not only a raw, good, traditional blocking offensive lineman, but he could, he could work in some of these motion outside offenses that you see in today's game. So uh, with his speed. And then Makai Becton, too. Same kind of thing. He was a, a tackle with Lamar Jackson when he was at Louisville. So he definitely has some concepts with the RPO offense, and he's more of the big guy after that also, so he could end up doing a lot more with that too. But I think Thomas, I think, is the best all around. Phenomenal run blocker. I think he does very good downfield blocking as well, second level. And again, also has decent speed for his size. Again, injury concerns were a little bit concerning with, with Thomas, but I think in terms of the value of him getting a nice offensive lineman, more of a traditional guy, but I think he just does the best in terms of technique, in terms of strength as that traditional guy, too. So that's number seven for me. Uh, oh, in terms of the other teams that would need him, Arizona. If the Giants don't take him, you got Arizona. you got Miami if they don't want to take a quarterback at five. you got the Chargers. Pretty much a lot of those teams in that top ten area could definitely go for that. So Errol has returned. So um, do you want to go to break now or you want to continue with this? So it looks like we're going to continue with this as... My number eight was Okuda, Jeff Okuda, the, the, the star corner. Everyone seems to think he's going to be a top five pick. And there's definitely a lot of landing spots for him. A lot of people are linking him to Detroit. If they don't want to go get Simmons, they can definitely get Okuda too. After that, you got Carolina, you got Arizona as definitely a possibility for Okuda if he does fall. And you got the Redskins at two. If they don't want to take Young, there's a possibility they could go corner and go for Okuda at number eight. You have any thoughts of where Okuda might go if it best landing spots for him? I have no idea. I haven't even made my draft board. I really haven't. So I do believe that the corner, the big time corner, is going to be drafted in the top five. That's I do believe Okuda. That. Okuda, That's, yes. I think Akuna goes in the so top you, five. So you think it'll be Redskins? You think it'll be Lions? You think maybe a surprise? I think a surprise team. I could even see the Giants drafting them. I could. All right. I mean, if, if the Giants don't see the players that you think that they see to be the players that they want to draft, they might be interested in Akuna, who is a shutdown corner. A lot of people compare his skills to Ramsey. So we'll see. He's a little bit smaller than Ramsey. But... He's also as fast or even faster, so we'll see. All right, number nine is Derek Brown on my board. A guy that might fall just with not having the need of interior line as much, but interior linemen are dominating the game now. We're seeing the Aaron Donald effect really trickle. We saw a lot of interior drafted early last year. We'll see if it happens again. I mentioned the Chargers earlier as a possibility. They brought in Linval Joseph to help, but Derek Brown, who also could play outside as well, is definitely a nice option for them if he falls. That could be a good option for a team like the Raiders. You could see Jacksonville definitely go after him. He's a defensive tackle for the most part, but again, he could definitely move around too and play defensive end too. He's a very nice prospect as well. Very versatile. And then lastly for me is Tua. If he stays healthy, he'll be a good quarterback. We'll see where he where he ends up going. Miami seems like the most likely spot, but again, he could fall if, again, other teams are worried about his hip or his other injury concerns. And there were a lot of them in his career. He had knee problems, ankle problems, a lot of different things. So we'll see if he ends up falling. Miami is a likely case. Maybe the Chargers. Tua's drafted. He, he's absolutely going to be drafted in the top 12. So Definitely. 
Now, do you think it is, will be Miami, or do you think it'll be something different? Maybe a Jacksonville that could surprise people. Maybe the Panthers, too? I mean, it's... No. I, I really think that they, they believe in Miskew. I, I, not Miskew. Uh, Minshew. Minshew. So, Jacksonville believes in Minshew. I don't think they're going anywhere with a quarterback. I think they believe in him, so... I'm getting very. I'm, I'm very interested. Very right. interested to see what this team is going to do. That's so that's sure. my top ten in terms of overall prospects. If we ever have a case where Errol has to leave again, I'll go through the final twenty, and go. we'll do the we'll do the top ten. Teams. I want to apologize that I had to leave, but uh, we'll, we'll do the I top. Had to take care of some stuff. We'll do the. I'm top, here. We'll do yes. The, we'll do the top ten uh, draft needs for the top. Errol for three. I guess you want to do it later in the show instead of debate hour, or you want to do it on Thursday, the top 10 draft needs for the for the top 10 teams. We'll do it Thursday. We'll do it Thursday. All right. All right. So that'll be it. So when we come back from break, come we on, will have our second special guest. Give it to him. Kevin Ray, who does national radio play-by-play for the Phoenix Suns and for the Dallas Cowboys. He'll yes. be joining us at 7 p.m. The Should- voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, the B. Should yeah. be listening to this. The beef should be listening. This interview, I, I really do, and I'm, I'm going to mention some things to Kevin on a little craziness that comes out of the beef's mouth. Yes, indeed. So yes. we will have that when we come back here on Down to the Wire, here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Keep it locked, Arr! Kevin Ray, coming on after this. It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is a Guns N' Roses night. Speedy's playing instrumentals of all the top Guns N' Roses. So, I love Guns N' Roses. Who doesn't not? Who doesn't like Axl Rose? 631-965-4990 is the number to call. As you know, this is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Down to the wire, we are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have our second guest. Yes, our second guest of the night. He is the play-by-play and voice of the Dallas Cowboys. And right now, also, the Phoenix Suns, Mr. Kevin Ray. What's going on, Kevin? Hey, good evening, fellas. How are we doing? We are good, man. I mean, everything that's going on in the world, we can only, you know, we can only just move forward, not backwards. How, is, how, are, exactly. you, how are you and your family doing? Uh, doing well, you know, um, we're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to live here in a beautiful city, Phoenix, where, uh, got a house, a backyard and a pool. So it's hard to, uh, it's hard to complain too much. I know there are a lot of folks who are making much bigger sacrifices in, um, you know, in much smaller surroundings. So, um, it's, uh, all things considered, uh, no complaints here. What are your thoughts to the Dallas Cowboys offseason so far? They gave Amari Cooper a $100 million contract, and they, they believe right now, as what we've seen so far, that Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the future, but they franchised him. So where is this team heading? Well, you know, if, if I were giving it a, a, an offseason grade report and, you know, obviously keeping in mind the circumstances, but... I would have to to grade it as an incomplete because <laughs> yeah, you, you put the franchise tag on Zach. Um, you, you get the, the long-term deal, uh, the big money deal done with Amari Cooper, but 
you know, there, there were several departures via the free agents or via uh, the defense. And uh, to me, uh, that's where this draft is certainly going to have to be uh, focused is on the defensive side of the football and, and looking for some other free agent gyms potentially. Um, but right now I would, I would have to grade it an incomplete because they haven't been able to hammer out a long-term deal with Dak. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's nice to get the, the one deal with Amari completed, but with the new coaching staff, um, I, and, and you look at the rest of the NFC East, I think the Eagles are going to be uh, far improved if they can avoid the injury bug like they did last year. So the Cowboys still have a lot of work to do uh, before the, the season kicks off. Kevin, you were talking about the draft and the Cowboys right now picking at number 17, and you think the, the defense would have to be a priority. Now, obviously, they lost Byron Jones in the offseason. They lost some other secondary pieces, and they lost Robert Quinn as the opposite side pass rusher to Demarcus Lawrence, who had a nice year, too. Is there any positional priority or even just a prospect that you would hope falls to the Cowboys at 17? And also, do, could you see the Cowboys potentially trading up or trading back as well? Yeah, well, and, 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 and I guess when I talk about focus on the defense in the draft, I'm not sure it would be necessarily at, at 17. Uh, it, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them look offensively uh, there at 17. But I think from the second round on, you could see this team being extremely active on the defensive side of the football. And, and yeah, I think you, you've got you've to get help in the secondary. Um, first and foremost, because you lost some quality players. And it, granted, they're, they're going to be running a new defensive scheme. Uh, but that being said, you've, you've got to have some, some A-list bodies back there in the secondary. And uh, thus far, that has not, you know, that's not come to fruition. We're talking to the voice. Yes, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. And right now, the Phoenix Suns. What are your thoughts right now moving forward with Jerry Jones and and where this team is heading from the draft, the draft stock that they've built over the years with the offensive line, and everybody was talking about, look how strong this offensive line is. And now this offensive line is getting old, and now you're you're looking towards the future of this team, and I don't know where the Cowboys' future lies with somebody like McCarthy there because I think McCarthy is a e, uh, West Coast <laughs> offense type of a coach, and I just – I don't think Ezekiel Elliott, which gave him a lot of money last year, fits what McCarthy likes to do. Well, keep in mind, you know, and and uh, Mike McCarthy's gone on record of, of saying it. Uh, they're not going to be they're not going to be altering the offense a, a whole lot, um, because you know you you look at the personnel you have, and it, and it becomes one of those situations where, yes, his his forte and of course his history has been that of. The West Coast offense, but you know you you get into you you run into problems when, as a coach, if you're known for a certain scheme and you try to go in and you make 53 plus players, um, you know, learn your system um, and, and specifically on offense, so you get to you know cut that in half. But versus you coming in and maybe complementing what this team has already been doing, I mean. This is an offense that was was quite has been quite successful over the last couple of seasons with Dak and of course what they've been able to you know create with Amari Cooper here um, in short term. So I don't I don't look for Mike McCarthy to you know 
fully roll out a West Coast style playbook. What I think you'll see him do is adapt some of those plays, but he's going to come in and, and I think he's going to work hand in glove with the personnel that they've got and try and craft and create something that is, you know, comfortable with the pieces that they, you know, currently have versus trying to force feed. And that becomes, look, it becomes all the more paramount now under the circumstances when you're talking about doing virtual OTAs. Uh, so he doesn't have the luxury of a normal offseason. I think because of that, you're not going to see a big, big change in the Cowboys offense. Kevin, this is actually something that Errol and I have, have argued about for a while is, is Jason Garrett. He thinks Jason Garrett is a good coach, and I thought he should have been gone a while ago. Where did you stand on Jason Garrett and how long he stood there and how his coaching style impacted this this team and this offense just in general for how long he was there. Come for. on, Kevin, give him some love. Give him some love. <laughs> give him some love. Well, look, I, I, I will, I will say this. Yes. I, I do think that Jason is a good coach, but I think that even good coaches uh, in this league, with the exception, obviously of a, of a bill Belichick, they've got a you know, a, a reasonably short shelf life. And you could say in Dallas, because of the, Everything that's in play there with Jerry Jones and the way that organization is structured, um, some would argue that, that Jason probably was there three or four years longer than anyone could have imagined. Um, it, it's very it's very difficult when you come in as a young coach like Jason did and try and wield the kind of authority that that he ultimately needed. And there were times that he tried to be tough. But, you know, once once you kind of lay that foundation and players know that there's always going to be a handful of players that will, you know, exercise their opportunity to kind of circumvent the 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 chain of power, if you will. And what you saw from time to time is players would just simply go around Jason and make their issues known to to Jerry and Steven. And once that becomes, you know pretty widely known it becomes very difficult to to rein that back in um i think uh, i think a new setting for jason will serve him well and I, I can see him in the next maybe three to five years getting another head coaching opportunity and you know like so many of them he will have learned from you know from the first go-round i agree with you and i think he's going to be great wherever he heads and i think it's going to be jacksonville I've said this over and over again. Speedy can laugh all he wants. I believe Jason Garrett <laughs> will win a Super Bowl, and he will shut the Cowboy fans up when he wins a Super Bowl. But before we get into that, we are talking to the great Kevin Ray, the play-by-play guy for the Dallas Cowboys and the Phoenix Suns. My, okay, we have this caller who's a big fan of our show. He's a big Dallas <laughs> Cowboy fan. And, Kevin, wait until you hear this ludicrous conversation we have had on this show he actually believes that ezekiel elliott if he played behind the same offensive line as barry sanders did in the late 90s early 90s he would have been just as good as barry sanders could you believe that (laughs) well that's uh that's a very bold proclamation Bold, that's why we call him the Beef, and he belongs on TV. He really does, because he is a character. He is out of his mind if he thinks, and I love Ezekiel Elliott. I follow him in Ohio State, and when the Dallas Cowboys decided to draft him at number four, I was all for it. I was very happy that they drafted him, but 
and I'm not even a Dallas Cowboy fan, but it makes me really, really sick when he puts Ezekiel Elliott in the same conversation as Barry Sanders. It's crazy. Yeah, two 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 very different type of, of runners. Um, I mean, you know, Barry had a stop-and-go gear that we've just not seen. Um you know, and, and that alone is, I mean, you look at the, the Barry Sanders highlight reel and for, for any young, <laughs> for any young listener you might have who, who has not watched the Barry Sanders highlight reel, I, I highly encourage you to go to YouTube <laughs> because your mind will be blown with some of the moves that this guy made and his ability to slam on the brakes, pivot, change direction and go from zero to 70 uh, in, in the blink of an eye was, I mean, that, that's what really set him apart. He was special. It was like a cartoon character. It really was. Yeah. He, yeah. It was like a video game. Barry Sanders was a video game. You can watch him and you say, you'll never see a move like that again on a football field. Barry, Barry, Sander, Barry Sanders was the first running back that actually jumped over a player. When he was running, when he was running uh, through the open of the middle of, or finding, trying to find a lane or something like that, so Barry Sanders was special. Yeah, Kevin, let's go to the Suns now. Uh, Errol and I have been talking a lot about these rumors about Carl Anthony Towns potentially wanting to leave the Timberwolves, and Towns also did mention that he wanted to play with Devin Booker. They were obviously teammates at Kentucky. Booker wasn't a big college guy at Kentucky; he came off the bench, but obviously he's become a become a great NBA player. Do you think the Suns with the young talent that they have should and could possibly pursue somebody like Towns if that's where he would want to go? Yeah, you know, this this one's been kicked around for for well over uh, a year and it's no secret that uh, that Book and uh Cat are big friends, uh extremely tight. Um then you throw, you know, Delo in there so you he's already in Minnesota. But you, you look at the money and the investment that Minnesota has put into Carl Anthony Towns, and I, I just don't see, you know, as much as they may want to play together, I just don't see Minnesota um, making any kind of move to to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns. And if you're the Suns, what are you going to have to to give up in order to get a player like Carl Anthony Towns? And uh, when, when you figure that to get Carl Anthony Towns, you're going to have to give up a DeAndre Ayton, who is just beginning to scratch the surface. Uh, I know it makes for for great uh, social media banter and and uh, radio and podcast <laughs> banter, but I just I just don't see it happening. You know, it's one of those things that's kind of fun to, to talk about and think about, but I don't see either organization uh, pulling the trigger on a deal like that. Now, might we see that in in a couple of years? Maybe. But these are two teams with what they feel are some good core pieces of players to build around uh, with Cat and D'Lo now being in Minnesota. So I just don't see them ready to give up on that within, you know, within the next couple of seasons. We are talking to the voice of the Phoenix Suns, the Dallas Cowboys, Mr. Kevin Ray. Kevin, here's a good question. And this organization has been looking for a winning product. And they've been fiending for it. Look how many first-round draft picks they've been putting around Devin Booker over the last couple of years. Devin Booker just got his big contract last year. Where does this team go moving forward? You were just talking about Aiton, and we don't know what Aiton's going to be, but Aiton in the last two years, as 
has been stagnant. He's not been the same player that we thought he was going to be coming out from college. Uh, I do believe he's going to get better. He's young. He's 21 years old. But where do you see this team? Well, you know, this year was really difficult to gauge, um, you know, because you got D.A. who is now just in his second year, uh, only played one year at, at college. And the one thing that Monty Williams, the, the Suns head coach uh, in his first year, you know, the one thing that he has talked about consistently is the patience that's required uh, of a big man. Uh, when, when you are a, an organization, where you're a coach, when you're a fan base, you have to be more patient with a big man than you are, um, you know, anybody else on the floor, uh, a guard, a wing, and for a variety of reasons. And, and he's got He's got great experience at this because he coached, you know, AD Anthony Davis when he first came in uh, with New Orleans. And, you know, so you can you can look at DeAndre Ayton's numbers this year in year two. And keep in mind, he missed 25 games of the suspension and then several other games due to a variety of uh, injuries, a couple of ankle injuries. So he, he missed 30 plus games this year. And. He had some incredibly impactful stretches. So DeAndre is as nowhere to go but up. He made some great strides this season. Uh, they've got Kelly Oubre, who they've signed you know, to a deal, and Kelly's got another season on his contract with Booker. They like some of the young pieces that they have around Book. And it's unfortunate because um, – only three and a half games this season did the Suns have their entire complement of the roster. <laughs> so injuries really between injuries and the, the eight and suspension really set this team back and made it hard to, to really gauge, you know, what they were capable of. Now um, you can look at the, those first couple of games, how well they played and the few games that they did have close to their full complement of the roster. And you can see why this, you know, this team has some significant upside. Kevin, last question for me. It's actually focused on you and your broadcasting career. Do you have any particular game or call or a moment that you broadcasted, whether it's with the Suns, whether it's with the Cowboys, whether it's even further back, that was the most memorable to you? Oh, wow. Um, you know, probably probably with the, the Cowboys, because with the, you know, and unfortunately with the Suns, uh, we, we have had a, a playoff drought. So I've not had the opportunity to call any playoff games um, for the Suns. But, you know, when you, when you talk about the Cowboys, you got to go back to that Cowboys Packers game with the catch. And, and that's indeed what it was, a catch by Des Bryant. Uh, that should have sent the Cowboys, you know, to the NFC championship game. And, and I felt like, you know, could have and, and should have gotten themselves to the Super Bowl. So you think they could have gone into Seattle was, and win. It, yeah. I mean, I, I, I when you look at what they had already done to Seattle that season and it, it, that is that is one that, uh, you know, it was, was thrilling to be a part of. It was just unfortunate to see the outcome <laughs> determined the way it was. Kevin, I, I want you to give a shout out to the Beeve because the Beeve's probably a huge fan of yours. And for some reason, he's been sick. I think he has. He's been very, very sick. He, he just had the COVID-19 uh, test. I don't, I don't know if he has it, but he's sick in bed right now. And I believe he would love a shout out from you. So could you give him a shout out? 
and it's just the bee? The beave, like the beaver, like leave it to beaver. Oh, the beave, okay. Yeah, beave. The beave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's here's a shout out and some sunshine for the beave uh, from AZ to uh, to NYC. Get well, my friend, and hopefully we'll have some big cowboy games to uh, to look forward to in the very near future. Kevin, I would love to get you on the show when the season starts, uh, when the NFL season starts. If we could, I would love it. Yeah, consider it. Uh, consider it a yes. We'll uh, we'll get it set up once uh, once we get some some <laughs> schedules and dates in front of us. And uh, I, like many of us, will uh, will look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. The great Kevin what? Ray, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, unbelievable. That was a great interview. It was a great interview. So, <laughs> And you even got your beef shot in there. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Why don't we go to a quick break, and when we come back, we will get more into some baseball, some basketball talk here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That's right. Guns and Roses night. With me, Errol Marks and Speedy Petey, as we know who likes a lot of guns in certain areas, as we know. 631-965-4990 is the number. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, shows wouldn't be the same without these particular fans. And I told him to call the show, even though he has really absolutely nothing to talk about. But I saw him on our feed. He was laughing at the beef thing when we af- when we actually interviewed Kevin Ray. Mr. Snug the Cat, what's going on, my friend? Oh, my goodness. Uh, first of all, I want to shout out to Kevin. Thank you for making the beef life. Uh, <laughs> the beef is probably never going to wash his ears again. and will be watching the broadcast over and over on a loop for the next six to eight weeks since he's probably... He's probably the case of zero in New York anyway, so hopefully uh, best wishes to the D to recover quickly, but maybe forget that he's a snowboard fan. <laughs> I also want to shout out to Speedy Petey. Speedy Why are you so muffled? Why are you so muffled? Do you have a, do you have a cupcake in your mouth or something? Or <laughs> I'm not muffled, my friend. Why are you muffled? No, you're it muffled. Like you're it, it, sounds like you're, it sounds like you're laying on a pillow. That's what it sounds like. I have the phone like to my head. I'm not even using an ancillary device. It's directly attached to my head via a cupcake. Well, obviously, you probably have either a cupcake or a cat on your head because it's (laughs) muffling. So that's all I could say about that. But so what are your thoughts? I would be glad to call back if you'd like. No, you're fine. You're fine where you are. What are your thoughts to the draft in about a week? Um, Your team, yes, the New England Patriots, there were talks coming from New England, that they might move up and uh, get a quarterback. What do you think about that? I think that Bill Belichick, in Bill Belichick, we trust. And he's a genius. Just let him do his thing. So if he moves up to get a quarterback, it's because he's smart enough to move up and get a quarterback. We saw what he did last time. He found the best quarterback in history at the the last round of the draft. Fourth round. If he's willing to trade up to get him, it's got to be pretty good. So go Pats, go Bill Belichick. <laughs> My shout out to CDPD2 was about his candy tweet 
He was tweeting about Reese's oh, peanut butter cup. <laughs> really, Stalker? Right? Really, Stalker? That of you're course. that picky anything on the Reese's eggs. Anything with food with you? Are you that picky on the Reese's I'm, eggs, Snuck? Oh, okay, here's the thing. I have to set you straight, Speedy, only because I love you, bud. The reality is that seasonal peanut butter cups, whether eggs or trees or whatever, are superior to regular peanut butter cups for two reasons. First of all, the peanut butter to the chocolate ratio is higher in the seasonal items. You get a lot more peanut butter per bite. Awesome. (laughs) Second of all, they're much fresher because they make them in a shorter window, right? So they only make them a few months out, whereas the one on your shelf might have been made six or eight months out because the shelf life's usually around a year. So please. Be kind to yourself right now in this time of need. Go to Walmart. I'm sure they have plenty of it for 50% off. Buy the good stuff and then buy one of the regular ones. And please taste Seth on air. All right. Hey, hey Snug, I'll do, it if, I'll do it if there's any statistical analysis. Well, I mean, if you, you want to break down the statistical analysis, we can figure out the ratio of peanut butter to chocolate. That's not that hard to do. All you got to do is scrape peanut butter off and weigh it. Weigh the weigh the weigh the chocolate, and you'll know, right? So you you can verify that, and all you need to do to verify the taste is have six or eight people taste taste test it and do a poll. (laughs) So I mean, there's all kinds of stats. We can graph it all out too, if you want, Speedy, and we get down dirty with it, man. We'll excel out and really get crazy. I, I usually think that you're going to talk about cupcakes or something and trying to narrow that down. But now you're talking about candy, which he is the candy man. That's what he does. So, Well, let's be honest. You can also combine two magical things like cupcakes <laughs> and candy. That's been done before. Well, I you. love it. I know you love it. I know you love your cupcakes. That's for damn well, sure. Well, why not? Snug, before we let you so, go, before we let you go, because uh, we, we got to finish up with debate hour. Which uh, you can ask. Oh, oh you're going to love this one. You're going to love this. Why? Why are you huffing and puffing over there? So I've been waiting to be on for debate hour. Do you want to stay? I'm so excited. You want to be on debate hour? Of course. Oh. oh but God. I'm just going to say stupid things. You know that, right? Yeah, That's my specialty. I, I, I know. You're going to say something stupid. But uh, all right, guys. Here we go. As you know, uh, we did not do debate hour yesterday because we had two guests, but we have two guests today, and they came on at the top of the hour. So uh, we do have a little bit more time. So as you guys are looking for us to argue points, we are going to do it. This is debate hour. This is the debate hour. And now in this corner, your host, Errol Mars. And in this corner, who gives a sh? Well, that would be you, Snug. Round one. <laughs> so, so, I guess Snug is taking his side in this. So. No, he's taking your side. He's not on my side. <laughs> All right, round Are, one. Is this a, a three-way debate, or is it more of a like a? I'll let you. A tag team. I will let you argue the first debate. Ooh, okay, sounds good. But so, it better be good, because if it isn't, I'm going to take over. So round one for, for this debate hour is which NBA player in today's game compare has their game compare most to Jason Kidd and why? All right. Snug, you're first. Ooh. Here we go. Uh, the guy that I've seen most like Jason Kidd is probably Jason Kidd. Uh, All right. That's after- it. <laughs> That's it. 
That's interesting. I, I, you could you could art uh, you could argue Doncic is similar in a lot of ways, but just much better scoring. I think he's got that all-around game. He can give you 15 or 20 assists in a night if you need it. He can also drop in 30 or 40 in a night if you need it. He, uh, I think that was the greatest thing about Jason Kidd is he was a utility guy. He was a court general and that he was smart enough to figure out what needed to be done and then he'd go out and do it. And I think you saw the same thing with Doncic uh, down in uh, Dallas. Interesting. All right. All right, I'm going to take Chris Paul for this one. I think Chris Paul, in terms of that pure point guard type, I think is kind of what Jason Kidd was. Jason Kidd could shoot, I think, later in his career. He had trouble early in his career with his three-point game. Kind of like what Chris Paul has, but Chris Paul, obviously, I think it did it because of the era, had to do it right away. And when he started with the Hornets, kind of 07, 08, he became that good three-point shooter. Great with steals. Great with, again, just vision on the court. is just incredible. Done a nice job with leadership, too. Even when Jason Kidd went to Dallas, he did, did the inherited that team with Dirk and a lot of other veterans that they had and really did a good job just like Chris Paul did with the Clippers just really restarting that franchise when that franchise was dysfunctional for a long time and really created that spark kid did that same thing with the Mavericks who were already a little more established but in terms of just bringing an extra spark to that team they were kind of that mediocre playoff contender type then then they won a championship when he was there Obviously, he wasn't the only reason, but his leadership definitely helped. And Chris Paul made the Clippers a contender for a while. They never went to the finals, but they were a contender. And they had changed their franchise for a while, and now they might be the best team in the NBA right now. All right. So you got the first argument, so we'll post that. All right, next question. All right, round two. Round two. Which NFL player changed their team's fortune the most? this past season and why all right speedy go ahead you first all right so i'm gonna take lamar jackson for this one now it's not that the ravens weren't a a good team already they were they were one of the most talented teams in the league but they were never thought of as an offensive juggernaut they were thought of as a defensive juggernaut and they had good they had good running backs they had good offensive line but lamar jackson kind of created them into that modern identity that that trendy identity that was what is the new face of the nfl and the Ravens were never thought of as that kind of team. The Ravens had their own way of doing things, and they still do to an extent. They've really done a nice job developing defense well, great emphasis on special teams, corners, linebackers, everything. They really That has not changed with them, but now they're buying into this modern NFL thing, the RPO concepts, the running quarterbacks, the spread offenses. They use a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of faster tight ends, and I think Lamar Jackson, if he didn't do what he did, you're not talking about the Ravens as being that kind of team so you're, you're still talking about the Ravens as the contender for what they are which was a great team but in terms of now being maybe the best team in the league in a lot of people's eyes Lamar Jackson put them there because the Ravens they had Flacco for a while but Flacco was never that he never had a season like Lamar Jackson what he did last year in just in terms of the impact and in terms of the impact on on the fans as a whole too they gave him a somebody somebody fun to watch on offense where the Ravens, when you look at their big names, they're all on defense. So, to me, it's Lamar Jackson. It's Nick Bosa. Hands down, Nick Bosa. What he's done with the San Francisco 49ers defense, a defense that last year, before before he was drafted, was a middle-of-the-pack, really in the early 20s defensive teams in the league. He transitioned that whole front seven, that front seven of, to me, overrated first-round draft picks. He changed everything to that defense, made that defense that much better. 
They got to the quarterback even quicker. Joey, you talk about Joey Bosa and what Joey Bosa has Bosa. done for the Chargers. I know. Oh. What Joey Bosa did for the Chargers when he came to uh, the Chargers and the way they play defense with Melvin Ingram. The same thing you see with Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a guy that is a beast that can get to the quarterback that also could play tight ends in, to, in the open field as well. Very fast guy that could change the game with a, with a sack or even a play in the open field that we saw early in the season. This guy was the most explosive defensive player all season long. And you're talking about a rookie, a first-year player that took this team to not to, to really not a playoff game, but to a Super Bowl that was two or three plays away from being a Super Bowl champion. And he was a big part of what this team did all season long. Nick Bosa changed everything. One player changed everything to that defense. And, and like I said, a defense that was ranked in their 20s the year before that was ranked in the top three in practically every single defensive purpose when it came to the front seven what the front seven does. So uh, San Francisco G- uh, and Nick Bosa, arguably the best. Ooh, yes. No, neither one of those. No. Oh, I, I have it on good authority from an NFL insider that oh, Dak Prescott oh, was God. actually <laughs> the key driving force in the NFL. I also have it on authority. He will be winning three Super Bowls in a row. Is that from the Beef or from back. some guy that we don't know? Uh, it's the NFL insider. I don't want to reveal my story. Well, it's got to uh, be the Beef. Apparently, Dak Prescott should get $100 million a year from Jerry Jones. Does this same guy believe that Ezekiel uh, can run behind the same line as Barry Sanders? He has a lot of um, interesting and insightful thoughts on the Cowboys in particular, and yes, that might be one of them. And let's not forget about Dak Prescott is statistically similar to Russell Wilson. Yes, that was interesting. (laughs) No, Dak Prescott is actually superior in every way to Russell Wilson, minus the attractiveness of Russell Wilson's girlfriend. (laughs) You mean his wife? Or wife. Both. Either one. There you go. All right. We're on the round, round three. three. All right, round three, last round for today. Which MLB franchise has been the most successful in the last 50 years and why? And we can answer this, all of us. Snug, you're first. Mm. Most successful in the last 50, 50 years. years. Mm-hmm. 15 or 15? 50. 50. 50. 5-0. Well, in 15 years, it's obviously the Red Sox. No, I'm not talking about 15. 50. 50. In the last 50 years, yes. I'm sure this is loaded. You're supposed to say the Yankees, but... Uh, Not necessarily. Who else has been... hmm, that's a tough one because I think the parody's been pretty good over the last 50 years. You've seen a whole lot of different teams win. Yep. You've seen streaky teams that were good, like the A's are good in late night or late 80s, early 90s. You saw, the, obviously, the Yankees' dominance in the late 90s. You saw the Red Sox' dominance in the early 2000s. Um, I'm just thinking about the homer pick to the, the Red Sox. It's uh, it's been a magical journey, and I, for those of you uh, watching in the last home, 50 you, years, the Red Sox. Are you kidding me? Well, outside of a few disappointing seasons in like the <laughs> late 70s and the early 2000s, say 2003, that was a little disappointing. But I have a lot more than a few. Not so. one to remember. Snug, there's a lot more than a few in the last 50 years. I told you I was going with the Homer pick. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> so I'm going to say the Red Sox because they've won a bunch of World Series recently. Uh, 
and they beat the evil Yankees. So that pleases me. Well, thank you. I just gonna say. Thank you for your take there. Thank you. All right, Speedy. Who do you got? I'll actually, I'll, I'll take a different argument here. I'll let you, I'll let you argue the Yankees. I'll take the St. Louis Cardinals for this. I think the Cardinals, when you look at the '60s, when you look at the '80s, and when you look at today, you look at they've been good in many different stages of baseball, and they don't have the, the money to, the, to spend like the Red Sox, like the Yankees do. I mean, they're not a, they're not a small market team, but they're not really thought of as that big market team. They're just the greatest middle market team, and they just develop players so well. Great history of pitching. Great history of. A, a lot of good managers, a lot of good, great players over the years. When you look at the 60s, you look at Bob Gibson, and you look at a lot of those teams at the end, of, kind of at the end of Stan Musial's career. Then you got Luke Brock, you got guys like Ozzie Smith. These, this team was just very good for a while. They're in the postseason very often, and again, they made the postseason very often in an era where they didn't have wild cards back then. So you look at all these, all, all different times. They won multiple in the 60s. They won in 1982. They made the World Series in 1985 against the Royals. So a lot of different eras then. And then you look at today, with starting with Albert Pujols and Jim Edmonds and guys like that, Chris Carpenter, obviously on today, where it seems like they never have a losing season, the Cardinals. And all these new players, all these random players you never hear of, they just fit there. And then when they leave, they usually don't do well everywhere else. And they've just been very successful for a while. They've won two World Series in 06 and 2011. They've made it to a couple others. They made it to the NLCS a lot. They made it to the NLCS this year before losing to the Nationals. They're a very successful franchise, I think, and for a middle market money, I think they've done a really good job <clears throat> over the years. Interesting. Well, I know I know a lot of people expect me to argue the Yankees, and I will argue the Yankees in a second, but I also like the Kansas City, uh, uh, Kansas City um, Royals. Royals. Over the years, especially in the 80s with George Brett and what they did in the 80s and, and early, late 70s, they were a very dominant team. Really from the late 70s or to the early 90s, the Kansas City Royals were a very good organization, a winning organization. So were the Oakland, like you were saying, the Oakland A's, a very winning organization in the mid-70s and early 80s. This Oakland athletic team has been a very dominant organization. And and really now, they're always in the playoffs. They're always on the cusp of the playoffs, what they have done over the years. So they're a very good winning organization. But it is the Yankees. Look at what the Yankees have done in the last 27 years. 27 years of winning records. No professional sports team has ever done that. In any sport, as long as the Yankees have done it, they've won five World Series in 30 years. I mean, that's a lot. I, I, I mean, a lot of people want to see more. But the Yankees have won a lot of World Series. And this is a good organization. An organization that's won every single, really, if you go, every single decade. The Yankees have won. They've won at least one World Series. And that's an incredible feat for an organization that has been as dominant as it's been every single decade, every single century that we've seen. And and, and, and now we're over the century. So it's, it's crazy when you think of the Yankees and the organization even more than just 50 years for the last 100 years this organization has been a dominant organization yes there was no free agencies in the early days so it was really bringing players on as as you know college players or you know whoever has the most money can sign them and and the Yankees did bring in Luke Garrick and they made a trade with the Red Sox to bring in Babe Ruth and they had Mickey Mantle and they had Joe DiMaggio and they did they did their due diligently with Yogi Berra and all the teams that they've had over the years. But look at what the Yankees did in the 50 years. Look at what they did in the 80s. They never, they weren't a superstar team. As a matter of fact, 
the last eight years of the 80s, they were one of the worst teams in the major leagues. But then they drafted a guy named Derek Jeter. They made some good trades on the way, bringing Paul O'Neill and Tino Martinez and, and, and bringing some free agents that can help this team, like Scott Brocious. And you build a winning team around a core of players like Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter and, and, and players of that magnitude. So it's the Yankees. It really is. And it's not just because I'm a Yankee fan. It's just go look at what the Yankees have done in the last 27 seasons. Winning seasons. Even a transition time when the Yankees were old. And when Alex Rodriguez and, and, and Teixeira retired in the middle of the season, they still winded up with a winning season with a great outtake of what the – what's his name again? Um – Joe Girardi? No, no, not jo- not even Joe Girardi. Their catcher. Um, oh, Posada. What happened? Pasada? No, not Posada. Their catcher, Sanchez. What oh, he the did, young catchers. Okay. When 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 Alex Rodriguez and Teixeira retired, Sanchez had that unbelievable run. We had 24 home runs in in less than two and a half months. So August September 2016. This stretch was insane. I mean, so I, I think the transition of the young players, the old players into the new players, and the young players into the new players has been great for the New York Yankees organization, and that's why I think the Yankees in the last 50 years has been the best MLB franchise, Major League Baseball franchise in in the sport. And those are facts. Just look at numbers. Numbers don't lie. So. And I'm not a homer. That's just facts. Anyways, Snug, do you have anything to our, our great friend, the Beeve, who's sick at home right now, hoping that Snuggy Wuggy was a bear actually calls him and actually wishes him uh, happy and healthy. Well, Beav, I wish you nothing but the best, bud. I don't want to see you homesick. There's nothing more fun than hearing you call in and say the stupidest things you can dream of <laughs> and just letting Jeff and I laugh for hours on end. <laughs> so I want to shout out to the Beav and say thank you. If you're not feeling well, if you have uh, you need some you know, chicken noodle soup, Cupcakes, you would probably feel better. A chicken what? A chicken noodle soup cupcake? Anything can be a cupcake if you you put your mind to it. Imagination is the only thing that limits us. Maybe you could put a Reese's egg in there too, Snook. (laughs) I hope that you were forming your attitude about Reese's eggs. I I said they were the same. I didn't say they were worse. You act like I'm insulting Reese's eggs. There, there, there are those among us who are passionate about such things. So, well, we we do you... know somebody personal that likes Oreo cookies here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As we know, Mikey C is an Oreo fan. There are so many rumors about the Oreo cookies, and where they are generally hidden. <laughs> they are you hidden. Can actually, you can put an Oreo cookie inside of a cupcake as well. Uh, I've seen it done. It's amazing. So, <laughs> seen it with that, gentlemen, I will take my leave. Hopefully, you are all safe and yes, healthy and avoiding these situations in New York. And uh, I hope that you go to your local Walmarts and other establishments to support <laughs> the peanut butter eggs out there. And oh, also, please. also support the beat. Well, also support uh, Speedy Petey's new vibrator oh, that's gosh. coming in stores near you as well. He'll be signing autographs as uh, the coronavirus moves forward, moves on from us. Speedy will be uh, signing autographs with his new and improved TV vibrator. So check I'll out stores I'll fat myself on Reese's eggs before I do that. He'll be working and signing autographs. So 
bring your vibrator in or the, buy your vibrators there and he will be signing free autographs in a the, store near you. The rumor has that, that sales are so good on that vibrator that he's hired a model. Really? It's, uh, it's some exotic person. It's it E-Mark. But I don't know who that is. Uh, you know, it's not, I don't a, know about E Marks, but. Live show. I don't know about E Marks. Live show and a house. You have a sister we don't know about? <laughs> well, we have a sister. Well, I you do, I know, but I know who you're talking with E. So I don't know who you're inferring to. I mean, uh, I, t- I, I don't know. Errol's long lost cousin. Apparently a very exotic model. So Yeah, well, so unfortunately, I don't know who that exotic model is, what starts with an E and ends with an M. So uh, apparently he's very enthusiastic about it. It's the only thing I understand. Well, well, thank you. As, as you know, as you uh, want to applaud this man, our uh, very good friend, the cupcaking eating. Ambassador of them all, Mr. Snug the Cat. Thank you very much for joining us, Snug. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a fine evening. (laughs) And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the cat in the hat. Okay, (laughs) He is one annoying pain in the you-know-what. But shout-out to the Beef. I I know the Beef is sitting down. You had Kevin Ray. Shout-out to the Beef. I mean, seriously. Kevin Ray, shout-out to you, Beef. The play-by-play voice of the Dallas Cowboys gave you a shout-out. I think you should be very excited, Beef, and maybe cut that out. Maybe Speedy will cut it out for you and send it to you because I think you really need that. It'll make you very, very happy as you heal up and get better over there in Bayshore, Long Island. But before we go, Speedy, I do want to finish up with some conversation with the New York Knicks. And Mm -hmm. we did talk about... We did talk about Tom Thibodeau and, and the fact that Carl Anthony Towns, if the Timberwolves, and we did not ask Kevin about, I mean, not uh, Mike Benz about, Dave Benz. I mean, I'm sorry, Dave Benz about Carl uh, <laughs> Anthony Towns, where a lot of people believe that Carl Anthony Towns wants out of Minnesota. And he seemed pretty excited that Carl uh, Anthony Towns wants to stay there. And, uh, be a part of that team and the growth of that team and that organization. Only time will tell. But uh, my question here is, when you look at the state of the NBA right now and you look at the New York Knicks and where are they going to be looking for a head coach and how are they going to be looking for a head coach this offseason with Leon Rose, who's a very good friend of this particular person, this particular coach uh, that uh, a lot of people believe could be the one of the lead guys that the Knicks might interview and might be one of the teams that he would leave college basketball and come to the NBA and coach. And that's John Calipari. You really think so? Oh, absolutely. He grew up. First of all, if you know, John Calipari is from here. He's from the East Coast. He loves to be on. He wants his players to come and play on the East Coast. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who's from the East Coast. He's from New Jersey. Grew up a Knicks fan. I mean, think about it. If Devin Booker becomes available, let's just say he becomes available, and Carl Anthony Towns becomes available, wouldn't it be crazy that Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker comes to play in New York with R.J. Barrett? Wouldn't that be a team? I mean, that'd be interesting. Again, that would only be longer term, like Kevin was saying when we had him on, maybe in three years or something like that, we could be thinking about that kind of thing. Even if it's not the Knicks, it could be any somewhere else, like we were saying. But Calipari, I, every time that could be a draw. 
I mean, it's interesting, but again, how many players has Calipari funneled into the NBA in this one and done system? And yet every year it seems to be rumored, oh, is he going to go follow somebody, one of his players into the NBA? Are these big name college coaches going to do it? And it just seems like they never do. And it's the same thing with college football too. It just seems like one of those coaches are finally going to do it. This would be the perfect time. This would be the perfect time. It just seems like because of the power that they have and the influence that they have with their recruits, and that program in general, and as a result, funnels it down to other athletic programs. It just seems like a lot of these top college coaches want to stay there, and I don't see it changing anytime soon just because of the rumors. I think this is the time. If if there is a time for any movement right now and what the New York Knicks need to do and how they need to do it, if they think John Calipari is the guy that's going to transition this team and help this team grow and bring in free agents like Devin Booker or maybe make trades where Devin Booker would want to come and play here for the Knicks and Carl Anthony Towns would like to play here and demand their, you know, demand to be traded. And Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker could do that. They could absolutely do that. If John Calipari came to the New York Knicks and and there is an article that's coming out that says that the Knicks would be interested in interviewing John Calipari. And that's saying a lot when you're hearing Jeff Van Gundy's name, Mark Jackson's name, uh, Kenny Atkinson you're hearing right now, Tom Thibodeau. There are all these, these coaches, all these good, viable coaches that are going to be available this offseason after the season ends. I, I could see the Knicks having you really taking their pick on who they want to take over this organization. Hopefully it's not the guy Miller, even though Miller is a guy that the Knicks do like, and he had a good season taking over for David Fisdale, but anybody and their mother could have had a better season. David Fisdale. I think David Fisdale lost a team a long time ago. And I think uh, the way he was playing RJ Barrett and trying to maneuver RJ Barrett to the point forward position, he is not LeBron James and he does not, he's not a ball handler of that magnitude. It made absolutely no sense when David Fisdale decided to do that and keep Kevin Knox as the sixth or seventh man where he was a top draft pick. I mean, you need to see if this kid's going to develop into the player that you drafted him at in a position that you drafted him at. So it made absolutely no sense. So I I do believe that uh, this coach that they're going to bring in this time has to change the outlook of this organization. And if you think if you think that John Calipari could be that guy leading forward for the next five to seven years and you know you're going to keep Calipari and, and maybe bring some of these free agents, these ex-Kentucky players, maybe Anthony Davis, knowing that Calipari comes to the Knicks, says, you know what? Screw the Lakers. I'm going to the Knicks. So, And that could be the draw that will bring maybe a Carl Anthony Towns or a Devin, Booker, a Devin Booker to demand a trade. So who knows? I mean, so... If the Knicks know that that could happen or that could be – and by the way, I read an article that Kevin Durant – there was a story coming out of the New York Knicks organization that it was almost a done deal if Kevin Garnett did not tear his Achilles. Kevin Durant. I mean Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. Kevin Durant did not tear his Achilles in the playoffs, in the finals, that Kevin Durant would have been a New York Knick. And, 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 and I believe and, – and people have said this – and there were articles coming out from uh, – I'm not going to mention Bleacher, – Bleacher Report was one of them that wrote uh, an article that Kevin Durant was – it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to the Knicks. And that's where he was headed. And then all of a sudden when he tore his Achilles, the Knicks kind of took their step back and said, do we want to bring in a player that just tore his Achilles and we're going to have to pay him a uh, max contract and be stuck with this guy if he doesn't really get back to what he was before he tore his Achilles? So – 
and with the Knicks organization and what the Knicks have done over the years, they have uh, definitely took it, taken three-point shots and missed them really, really <laughs> badly. So, I mean, either, they've taken foul shots and they've missed it really, really badly. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, the way Leon Rose is going to run this team and whoever he decides to bring in as his GM and his coach – that it will change the outlook of this organization and it'll bring in stability and bring in free agents that will want to come and play with some of our young players. Now, do you think that Calipari, if they do pursue him, they would have to pay extra in order to do it, considering that you're luring him away from a, a very good college program and again, you a know great the Knicks, situation. they're going to open their pockets. The Knicks have opened their pockets. Look what they paid Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's still getting paid twelve, thirteen million. Right, but I'm just saying, would it be worth it? You think in terms of the, the value? If they think it will draw free agents to come and play for Calipari, it's worth every every dollar they're going to give Calipari because Anthony Davis becomes a free agent after this uh, this year. He becomes an unrestricted free agent, and then you have he could be available. And he he one of the teams that he did want to play for. If it wasn't uh, Chicago, it was the Lakers and the Knicks. And the Knicks were one of the teams he wanted to play for in a major city. Why not go over there and play with Calipari and maybe draw uh, a Devin Booker out from Phoenix or draw um, uh, a John Wall? Like, you know, bring in John Wall. You could you get John Wall in a cheap from the Wizards right now. You come in, you have him play over there, and then maybe bring Devin Booker in in some kind of trade. That might be the perfect move for the New York well, Knicks. If that's the case, you might as well just keep it going with the, the Kentucky players all at once based on the Cousins DeMarcus Cousins has been getting too. That might be a good bargain too. I mean, you could do all that if Calipari came to the Knicks and bring in some of his old players. You know he can control those players. You know he can tr- control DeMarcus Cousins. You know he can control John, John Wall and Anthony Davis. Maybe you bring in one of these other guys, and then you build an all-Kentucky team with R.J. Barrett. With I'm just trying player. to figure out what kind of power he would have to do that in the, the NBA because it seems like It'd the, be an the players move. have all this power to be able to do that. But still, again, if they are under contract, it's going to be a lot of still tough moves that they're going to have to do. If anybody could do it, it's John Calipari. If, if right, anybody but he's, not, he's not in GM control. No, I'm not either. talking about that, but hey, Leon Rose is the president of the New York Knicks. And if John Calipari came to the New York Knicks, you know John Calipari wants – his pick and his choice on players he would like to bring in and run his offense and his defense. And Anthony, like I said, Anthony Davis becomes a free agent after this year. Why wouldn't Anthony Davis come to New York? And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but why wouldn't he come to New York and try to win with John Calipari? You can get John Wall on a cheap right now. The Wizards will hand him over to the New York Knicks organization. And then yet you keep R.J. Barrett. There. You don't have to give up R.J. Barrett. And then you, you look at DeMarcus Cousins. You can bring him on a cheap too. And then Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns, if they become available with all of your first-round draft picks, there you go. You built your, your top five right off the bat right there, bringing in Anthony Davis as a, as a free agent. Now, is Anthony Davis going to do that? I don't know, but it, why couldn't the Knicks be behind a, a great plot? They've never been behind a great plot. So maybe this plot will work. Bring in John Calipari. That's a, That's a lot of other teams you have to get involved for that to work, though. Well, we'll see. I mean, anything's possible. Because uh, nobody comes to the Knicks, Anthony Carragher says. And we, we know that, Anthony. But uh, you have to look at bringing in Leon Rose and what Leon Rose is going to bring to the table as far as free agents are concerned. And what he brings, this guy is the Jerry Maguire of the NBA. This guy got every single... Superstar. Every single superstar has worked under Leon Rose. So maybe bringing him in as the president of the organization and, and giving his outtakes of what he thinks 
what players would fit a culture here with the New York Knicks. Maybe that'll change the Knicks. Maybe bringing in the right coach will change it. Or the GM. You don't like Elton Brand. Maybe they like Elton Brand. Elton Brand can change the organization. Who knows? But he's going to bring in somebody that's a puppet because Rose wants control. Everybody wants control of this organization. I think the Knicks are in good, hand with, uh, good hands with Leon Rose. The question is, what is Leon Rose going to do when his back is against the wall, when he has the opportunity to land a big superstar? Is he willing to give up a huge amount of draft stock to bring a player of that magnitude in that might not help you win a championship? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the question. In that scenario, if we're going to do this Kentucky thing, that would take a lot. <laughs> it would take a lot. But Anthony Davis is a free agent, so it won't cost him nothing except money. That's all. That, that's what it will cost him. And then you, you bring in John Wall. His contract is – he's got three years left on his contract. I know the Wizards don't want him. You don't have to give up much to get John Wall. They'll probably hand him to him. And then you have uh, DeMarcus Cousins, $5 million. That's three Kentucky players with R.J. Barrett. And then you, you take your pick on who you want to give up to get uh, Devin Booker. You can give up four or three first-round draft picks to bring in Devin Booker. And then you have an all-Kentucky and one Duke player – and you built your team right there with all Kentucky play. I, I'm just saying, it could happen. It could happen. Now, you do realize among those four that you named, Wall and Cousins are the only two that actually played together, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, why don't we go? Uh, we will be back on Thursday, as you guys know, below the mic. With me and Speedy Petey, we have special guests on Thursday. So that'll be fun. We will have one pre-recorded interview on Thursday, and we'll have one live interview on mm-hmm. Thursday. So... Uh, it will be fun on Thursday, so definitely stay tuned for our show below the mic. Uh, oh, soon to be award winning, by the way. Thank you for voting for us on RTF uh, RTFSportsNetwork.com. If you're not, go to RTFSportsNetwork.com. Go to vote on the top of the page and hit below the mic and vote. We are right now at 36 or 37 percent. It was 36 last time I checked. And Think guy- about this. We started two weeks later than the other two guys that were nominated as top shows right now, and we are only 4 percent behind. We had 0 percent starting the, the, what was it, a week and a half ago? We yeah. were at 0 percent, mm-hmm. and now we're only 4 percent behind the leader. Right. That's saying a lot of what, what our fans do for us and people that are voting for us. If you're not voting, RTF Sports Radio, I'm sorry, Sports Network. Follow us, search us by going to our website. Our app is coming out. Actually, our app will be on the Play Store at the end of this week. On the iOS, it probably will take at least two weeks. But on the Play Store, our app will be up, so you can check us out. If you're not going to download us, go to our app on the Play Store. Go to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network until Thursday. This is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. And down to the wire saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.